This is the Power Producers Podcast, where we are refining and redefining the sales game. Rule number one is you have to believe in yourself. You're the only one who doesn't think you belong in this appointment. The prospect has already validated your existence by scheduling time with you. Get it through your head you belong here. Go in there, crush it, and close the deal. A place where sales professionals can come to learn from other sales professionals and thought leaders that have mastered their craft. The difference between a good salesperson and a best-in-class salesperson is only two minutes. By spending an extra two minutes on what you might think is a mundane task in the sales game, you separate yourselves from the pack, you grow your book of business, you close more deals, and you retain your accounts. As well as their peers who are still striving for perfection to achieve their why. I have a wife and four kids. Failure is not an option. Real sales professionals. Real stories. Real results. It's no different than being a professional baseball player. You can't be a one-trick pony. You have to be a five-tool player in order to succeed in this game. This is the Power Producers Podcast. Production redefined. Are you ready to feel the power? Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Power Producers Podcast, where we are finding and redefining the sales game i am on a solo episode today the beard is still on vacation in hawaii and i don't know if he's ever coming back so i got my guy charles mcdade with me today we are going to talk about everything from insurance to tom james i'm sure absolutely man absolutely but before we do that give our listeners 25,000 PNC middle market producers nationwide, a little bit of a glimpse as to who you are and where you came from, man. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. As I completely turned this down and then didn't mess it all up. I apologize. Oh, so unprofessional of me. Uh, my fault. Yeah. So give everybody kind of the 10,000 square foot overview. So 10,000 square foot overview. Uh, My name's Charles McDade. I am a, uh, PNC and uh, commercial agent out in Houston, Texas, uh, where everything is going great for insurance <laughs> right now. <laughs> yeah, probably about the same as Tampa, Florida. Exactly, exactly. Fact, I know that for a fact because I have an account that has locations in Houston that they acquired last year. And when I went to add them to the policies and the premiums and everything came back, I looked at them. I'm like, hold on a second. Did I have a Florida address or a Houston address? Because it looked just like <laughs> what we're used to seeing here. Oh yeah. Hey, hurricanes. Uh, when it comes to us on the, uh, the Gulf coast, it doesn't care. It's just all of us down here. Uh, so uh, again, just kicked off my agency. I was a, a Liberty mutual agent for the first uh, 10 years or so. Uh, then after that transition to open up my own brokerage, cause I needed a little bit more freedom, a little bit more ability to do a couple things with clients help out, put them in the best position absolutely possible, and uh, kind of follow my uh, my man David Carruthers down his magical path of uh, of yeah. uh, the, the world of insurance, my man. <laughs> yeah. So what, I mean, where were you before, you know, before Liberty? What, what's your background? What oh, drove background? you to, what uh, drove you to insurance? Because, because the thing is, what I do know is none of us started here, like, unless you're an, a unicorn. Oh, no. So that is 100% true. Uh, no one ever dreams about becoming an insurance unless their dad's dad's dad was, and they got to be on their yacht. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, but then it never those... works out in the agency. Trust me. 
Oh, no, no, it never works out. Uh, so the conversation was before that, I actually was uh, at Nickel State in Louisiana. So I went to school there, got a scholarship, played football, lost brain cells, which I guess helped me get into insurance. Who knows? Was that a result of football or other activities in college? Uh, football, uh, basically trying to make sure I could get as much paid for as absolutely possible. So I got paid to be an athlete within three yards of myself. Uh, while also turning around and uh, being able to be a pretty decently strong guy. Uh, so I actually studied there, got my degree in marketing and professional sales. Uh, so that was a blast. After I uh, went to the national sales competition in Kennesaw, Georgia, uh, we actually turned around. And when I came home, a buddy of mine uh, pulls me aside and says, hey, since you've got a little bit of time, hey, how about you, uh, you know, be an intern for me for a little while? look around. And I kind of said, uh, okay, well, like, let's, let's see. He's like, well, no, no, no. Like, think about it, man. Uh, in a couple of years, you're going to be able to own a yacht. I, I do not want a yacht. <laughs> so I just said, Hey, I'll be with you for nine months and nine months turned into 12 years later. And here we are. <laughs> so that's the, uh, the wow. full background of it. So how long, how long has your agency is an independent been open? Uh, since 2020, because I uh, am a prognosticator of all prognosticators, and I knew that that would be a great time to kick everything up and rolling. Yeah, why not, man? I mean, if, if you did it when it was easy, then everybody'd be doing it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So we had to transition pretty quickly to the digital realm since uh, shaking hands and kissing babies was kind of off the table. Yeah. So what kind of business mix do you guys write at this point? Liberty, then when and when you were at Liberty, were you doing commercial personal lines? If you said oh, it, I just missed it. Personal lines, uh, just it. personal lines back then. Uh, we kicked off the agency flowing through personal lines because it's a little bit easier to get up and rolling that way. Uh, we've started to do a major push transition, uh, mostly thanks to yourself. Uh, and then just kind of listen to the podcast, understanding kind of what the uh, rounding out accounts, how that situation looks, uh, being able to better target according to what size of the agency it needs to be. So we're doing a major push into the commercial line in the next uh, in the next year. Uh, we've written about about 30, uh, let's hear about 300, 300 to 400,000 so far in the last uh, last year uh, in commercial. Uh, and that's just off of basically six months of focusing on it. You know how I know when you've made it in commercial, when you quit talking in premium and start talking in revenue. Hey, one of these days I get to pray to be like you, my man. <laughs> <laughs> that's the, that's the benchmark, man. That's how I know when somebody comes from a personal lines and even a captive background, because, and I, and I've never worked at captive, so I don't under, I don't really understand why, but everything's premium there. Right. Whereas in well, my everything's world, premium. every, my world, everything's revenue. And a lot of the times too, I, I think part of the reason probably is because we're not beholden to take commission. If I don't want to take commission, I can tell the carrier I don't want commission and they'll lower the premium by the amount of the commission. And then I just charge a service fee directly to my client for my services. So I, I you know, I've always just kind of said, you know, and I'm not saying this to throw off on you, obviously, but premiums for show, revenues the dough, premiums for sanity or premiums for vanity, revenues for sanity, you know, but my number one line is you can't make payroll with premium in you get in a lot of trouble if you try. So, um, <laughs> you know, that's kind of, that, that's kind of the deal, but you know, as you move into it, I'll be real interested to see how your thoughts evolve, getting more and more away from the everyday. Cause I, I feel like the agencies, 
I'm, I'm backwards from everybody. I've only ever done middle market. So I'm doing the exact opposite of what you're doing in trying to go out and get personal lines and small commercial so that I can make my book a little bit less, a uh, little bit more recession proof or whatever, because I lose an account right now. A lot of people are consolidating um, venture capitals, buying service contractors. And I've said it a few times on the podcast, we lost a quarter million in 2021 just because three accounts got purchased by VC. So I had no no chance of saving that. And the problem that we run into is because I've run the agency with a $5,000 revenue minimum, because we've only focused in middle market, my average revenue per account is, is too high. And those are the things that people don't see because most of the people that are in Killing Commercial that I work with or that I talk to at different events, they started out just like you. They have that base. And I, I can tell you, you probably have a lot of sleep. You probably had sleepless nights as you're growing up, you know, growing your agency from scratch and everything everybody does. But I think that I would have slept a lot better if I knew that I had that big base of smaller premium and revenue that's just sitting there churning and, you know, maybe you lose 10%, but you write 20% new every year. So you're netting out at 10% growth or whatever. It's just a grind, man. And it's not, you know, it's a whole different animal. Cause to me, personal lines, you're not, you are going out and hunting, but you're not hunting like you are in, in commercial, right? To me, if I'm in traffic and I see a plumbing truck, I'm going to take a picture of it. And there's a really high likelihood I'm knocking on that guy's door within the next week or two, or I'm going to hand it at this point, hand it to one of my producers to go do that. But I can pick and choose personal lines. You don't get that. And that's a lot of what the frustration is down here because right now everybody's shopping, man. And I think everybody's shopping in commercial too, with where we are with inflation, inflation in the state of the economy. And I'm not making a political comment, but if you want to make it a political comment, just look at the freaking gas pump, people. That thing's not Democrat or Republican. It's money. And you're paying more of it. End of story. I'm not telling you what side of the aisle I'm on or anything else. But what the, the point I'm making is everybody's shopping. It doesn't matter if it's personal, commercial, whatever. So you better have your game dialed in because this is the time where the, the agencies are going to get tested for who's going to stick and who's not. And I know for a fact that we have clients that are shopping because somebody's whispered in their ear that they can save them money. But the problem is they can't do all the other stuff. And that's, you know, that's the biggest deal. So, you know, as you make that move, that's what you need to be figuring out as you're going is what do I want this to look like in two, three, five years from now? What are the offerings that I want to have for clients? How can we use those at the point of sale versus how are we going to use that as a retention tool? Because I spend money on a lot of software and, and give our clients access to stuff and I get heat for it. But I get heat for it from people who are losing 10% at renewal and I'm paying 3% to retain it. So like who's who's missing out, right? I'm actually Absolutely. ahead of I mean, the, the biggest part about uh, your comment on how exactly it flows between middle market to flowing towards uh, kind of small commercial to kind of, you know, uh, keep the lights on and kind of keep everything flowing and continue the growth, you know, kind of invest in those smaller brands, build yourself out bigger as they start adding uh, more people, uh, more employees, uh, that kind of conversation. That way you can kind of keep that relationship running. Uh, for us, uh, especially in uh, Houston, uh, Gulf Coast area, I mean, average premium increase is 30%. So even if I lose 10, we still have 20% growth. Right. Uh, yeah, it's crazy this year, man. We're seeing it. 
we're we're seeing it like my agency's probably up 25% just because that's what that's what's happened, right? I mean, our service fee accounts, I, I have to kind of segregate it because our service fee accounts, obviously, my revenue doesn't fluctuate. So I can't really brag about that, even though the client may be paying more premium. I don't necessarily charge them more because I'm not really doing any work. But on those accounts that we are taking the commission, that stuff's easily 25% across the board, organic growth for doing absolutely nothing. Absolutely. And that's something to always consider when you're trying to figure out on both lines of the coin, right? Uh, my biggest thing was growing the agency by using personal lines to be able to uh, line out Google, basically being able to get us to about 172 Google reviews in about 18 months or so. Uh, and that makes us a lot more reputable when we are going after accounts. Because of course, the first thing a lot of people like to do is just Google, hey, who are you? What's the situation? And since they can uh, kind of go back and see uh, some some pretty strong uh, online uh, searching and optimization, it puts us all in a positive spot. So it's, it's, uh, it, what, it's whatever works. I mean, it's just that what I had in my bag of tricks was a bunch of prior clients, a, a name that was known around the Houston area. And whenever you're talking about uh, on average, the homeowner's insurance kind of being around $300 in uh, in revenue <laughs> uh, per policy, it kind of puts you in a spot where that's a lot different than uh, writing a policy up there in like Iowa, where it might be, uh, you know, $60 or $70 in, uh, in revenue. Yeah, that's really one of those things that I take for granted and have to be conscious of because I can freely talk about what I deal with here in premium levels and everything else. But there is definitely a conversion factor to other parts of the country. I mean, in, in to your point, your $300 here is probably closer to five at this point. So it's, it's crazy to see. We literally just, uh, we ran a, I'm trying not to do much personal right now, just because we don't have the market mix that some others do. So it doesn't make sense for me to, to even go down that road as, as much as, as we probably should. I got to wait for things to settle down, but we do have a few carriers that we can run things through um, with quote rush. And we ran one through right around the corner from my house. House was built in 98, had the roof replaced this year, the HVAC was replaced two years ago. By all accounts, it's a really nice, clean property. $5,500. Absolutely. It's a, it's a $400,000 house. Two years ago, the house was probably two fifty. dollars So, I mean, Coverage A is obviously driving some of that just with the increase in replacement cost and everything. But it's it's interesting to see because, I mean, I know, if you would have told me that I could make 12 points on $5,500 in premium writing personal lines, I probably would have gravitated to it a lot earlier in my career. Cause my thing is, it's not that I don't, I don't like dealing with it because I've already tasted the sweet nectar of middle market. That's what the real problem is. Right. And I don't, it's not that I'm too good for personal lines. I actually enjoy it. I to be, if I was going to be completely transparent, blunt, honest to everybody on here, I don't like to lose, man. And I just don't know the product as well, number one. And number two, there really is a very, very limited value proposition conversation that you can have with people. I mean, there, there are only so many things that I can do. I don't have a bunch of cool tools for personal lines like I do for commercial. I've got a mobile app. Okay, great. So now we get people to download that, do their home inventory and all that. Now what? What's your next trick? You know, there isn't one. And so I, I just... 
when I get people on the phone, I talk to them, I can get the D, you know, I can usually get them engaged in conversation and they're going to like me. And then I'm going to get some goodwill that way. But if I'm $500 more, I'm $500 more, bro, I'm out. And I don't like the feeling that that gives me, especially when I know I'm spending time investing in it, number one. And number two, that I just don't have the markets that I need. I need, I need 20 or 25 homeowners carriers in here. I think we have six. Yeah, and that, that's something that's consistently going around where it makes it hard to make the transition backwards into personal lines just because everything is so locked down from uh, from area to area, state to state, that kind of conversation. Uh, but whenever we're going through and our average like uh, personal lines account would be around that, uh, that $5,000 in total, right, uh, of premium revenue, you're talking about six, $700 in revenue uh, for each person, that makes it to where it's like, man, there's a lot of high um high prop high propositions of what you're able to end up earning so i mean even here i mean hell if you have two high-end cars uh you have two kids uh we're writing fourteen thousand dollars for uh premium about two thousand dollars in revenue off of just one auto policy right which kind of pushes you into the point of that's kind of some of your small business accounts at times depending upon what you're writing oh absolutely yeah absolutely so it makes sense from the grand scheme of it. The uh, the biggest thing that I can say is whenever it comes to personal lines, I think that there is uh, such a large gap uh, in insurance in general from people trying to understand uh, what exactly it is they're purchasing. So to your point all the time, it's uh, education and education can at times really kind of uh, strengthen the gap. Uh, so for example, if we didn't, uh, if we didn't write water damage coverage on everyone's policy from in 2020, then my business would be dead now because we got hit with URI and every single one of our clients had something occur and something happen. And if we didn't end up writing it out that way, that's the quickest way to have the worst word of mouth across the board. Uh, same reason why you try to round out accounts is the same reason we try to round out coverage on the personal line side. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I mean, you didn't even talk about boats or umbrella and any of that, right? And you're on the coast, so that's obviously in play, toys, jet skis, things like that. You know, I can tell you this, man, when we when we do officially launch personal lines, I mean, I guess we already officially launched it, but when we're actually able to have the market here settle down and they can figure out what needs to happen for everybody to be able to write and actually have capacity, we're going to lead with umbrella 100% of the time. And the reason why... It, there's two reasons why. Number one, because if you if you write the umbrella, then you're automatically going to get a look at the auto in the home because you got to know what the underlying is to write the umbrella. But the other thing is, and I don't know how many people are taking advantage of this, but I'm not even going to, I don't know. Should I say this on the air? Yeah, I will. So, so what I think my strategy is going to be is I'm just going to go out and, and create landing pages around umbrellas and, and for people who are getting solar installation, because here, you have to have an umbrella of a million dollars for the power company to be able to sell power back to them. You know, so we're getting all these requests already for monoline umbrellas. So why don't I just put some AdWords behind it, build a couple landing pages, get the umbrella leads to come in and then get the other stuff, look at it, quote them a, a deal all across the board. The problem is we don't get the same efficiency that other states get. I suspect you're probably the same way. There is no bundle in Florida. So everything flows talking about, you know, you, we do have the ability, not my agency, but you can bundle ASI and progressive here, but like, no, like nobody ever does because 
ASI's picky. They don't want to write things and it ends up being monoline auto. You know, when we got our appointment, we have to get to a certain, it's like the giant catch 22 with everything in Florida, man. We had to get to a certain amount of volume with progressive before they'll unlock home for us to be able to write home and umbrella. When, if I had access to home and umbrella, that's how I want to market and lead. And I could get you your volume, but that's not a conversation that, that they're willing to have. And the problem is I've got one product, man. Well, not one, but I could do RVs and things. I can do auto and I can do renters. Well, that's great. Unfortunately, I'm not a platinum agent yet. So now I get squashed by platinum agents. You get better rates on the auto. I mean, it's just really, really, it's hard, man. I mean, and, and that's one of the things that motivates me to try and figure it out is because I don't like to lose. I don't like to get beat. I don't want to have a problem of puzzle put in front of me that I can't solve. And that's kind of what personal lines has been. I've con for the last two or three years, just toying around, trying to figure it out. And every time I think we got it, you know, something else pops up. And next thing you know, now all the carriers are pulling out the ones who are still, you know, writing. I'd, I'd like to know what postage stamp size, territory in florida they're writing in because everything i put in this morning i was working with one of my team members on some home quotes and because we are shorthanded this week and, and i went in and i'm like well this makes it real easy not writing not writing not writing not writing like right down the line what's the you know it's, a, it's just a waste of time almost at this point uh, my conversation with a lot of that is um when it comes to entrepreneurship the thing that I kind of equate it to is waking up every morning and the entire room smells like smoke. You don't know if it's a uh, next door that's on fire. You don't know if it's the kitchen. The only thing you know for sure is that if you sit there, you ain't going to make it right. Right. So it's a lot of the reasons why you consistently push, move and figure things out uh, because that's, that's what life is like. You know, we, uh, we hunt things down, we find them, we make sure that we do the best that we can for the people that trust us the most. And that's what matters. So to your point, it's, uh, it's one of those situations where as the, uh, the middle market kind of shrinks a little bit, right. And some of those smaller businesses start becoming middle markets because of the shrinkage and uh, a lot of employees not wanting to work in that particular like, you know, situation. Well, that puts it in a positive situation. If you're, uh, kind of flowing towards the mix, but what's always ebbing and flowing. Um, I mean, unless we're just going to, you know, believe things that we're told on the news or otherwise about inflation being transitory, which uh, I don't know about you, but the words inflation and transitory is an oxymoron <laughs> because yeah. inflation is inflation is consistent, uh, but now it's just consistently hyper, right? So it's it's one of those situations where well, I'm just uh, trying to figure out what the definition is of inflation, right? Because it seems like we we have multiple definitions depending on the narrative. Oh, it did, depending upon what uh, what country you're in. I guess uh, Wikipedia was changed a little while ago. And then over there on uh, uh, in Europe, I guess they have the uh, original definition in old English, I'm assuming. <laughs> so yeah. it's uh, it's one of those situations. But uh, something that I I kind of want to want to like figure out, because for us, the only way that we've been able to kind of flow and kind of grow this stuff is uh, kind of transitioning marketing style a bit to where we're doing kind of twofold, either educating the client or being highly memorable uh, has been the two tickets that have really kind of pushed us forward in this market, being more digital, what kind of thinking through marketing, like what's your thoughts on that and how that has flowed? Yeah. So my whole claim to fame, I don't know if you've been on that section of the killing commercial, but my whole claim to fame for driving leads for personalized has been through random quote bind issue products, right? So um, mm -hmm. I own FloridaWeddingInsurance.com. 
So I can go and have couples who are looking to get married by event cancellation or by um, liability only with liquor. Liability, the liability product is quote bind issue. The cancellation, we have a form and it takes like five minutes to put the stuff in, call, get the payment and all of that. Why do I do that? It's not because I'm going to get rich selling wedding insurance, man, but I am getting paid to put data into my CRM, right? So everything that we do, period, is about getting data. We want the data so that we have the ability to make intelligent marketing decisions, right? This goes, and here's the thing. I'm consistent across everything I do. It doesn't matter whether it's the agency, if it's coaching. I just, I'm doing the pre-orders for my book. Michael McCormick even said this. I actually private messaged him as a sidebar, said, hey, I want to pick up a bunch of these for commercial focused agents whenever you go on Amazon so you can get bestseller status, blah, 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 blah. So I said, I appreciate it, man. It's not why I'm doing it. Da, 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 da. I end up sidebar and I'm like, hey, Michael, um, I don't want you to think I'm an idiot, man. There's a reason why I'm doing this. I want the data. I want these people on my email list, you know, and I don't, I don't spam people, but I want to have that. I want to be able to plot where people are living, where they live, where they're buying from, what the trends are, because, you know, at the end of the day, I'm probably going to put together some sort of accountability groups or challenge groups or something with geographic areas that the book has been purchased the most. Or maybe I just do time zones. I don't know, but I can't make those decisions if all I know is that I sold, you know, X number of books on Amazon. I don't know anything about those people at that point. So to me, yeah, if I was really worried about what people thought of me and, and I wanted to make myself feel important, then bestseller status would be what I was worried about, but I like money and I like to, you know, I like nice things. I like to buy things. So I, you know, I actually make less money selling the book as a pre-order direct on my own site because of the shipping costs that I have to pay for them. But I'm willing to invest in that as being part of marketing because down the road, these are people that would come to boot camps, They would come to other things. And I mean, I'm very, very, um, I don't send out a ton of email. I usually, we usually send things out as reminders only like when an offer is getting ready to end or whatever else, but that's the main reason why. So, you know, from an automation standpoint and everything else, I learned pretty quick that if I have a product that will give me the demographic that I need for personal lines, I'm not going to go out and compete against progressive and Geico and state farm and everybody else to get the personal lines lead. Nobody's nobody's paying for wedding insurance leads, right? Nobody nobody wants a wedding you know the 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 cost to put those ads up on Google is like 150 bucks a month and it's over $100,000 revenue stream for my agency just in the wedding product that we sell. We do the same thing with barbers and barbershops, salons and stylists, estheticians, massage therapists, drones, Anything at all that I can. So what I did was there's a company out there, Francis L. Dean, fldean.com. For anybody who's interested, if you really want to know the strategy, go to killingcommercial.com forward slash QBI for quote bind issue. I lay it all out. There's like eight webinars recorded on there where I talk with the different people that we're using this strategy with or then some. But I took FL Dean when you get set up with them. They will send you like all of their program links. And I'm like, well, crap, why would we just stop with wedding? We could put a landing page out here for literally every single product that this company sells. Nobody's putting ad dollars behind it. So it's cheap to run the ads on Google. And I mean, it's crazy because the guy who does all of my um, all of my local, Chris Langill from local traffic marketing that does all of my uh, digital ad stuff, 
He's like, dude, he goes, this is crazy. There's no, no, no dollars behind it. And like, Within him putting paid ads behind one of our newer products, boom. Within like 10 minutes, we already had a couple of things come in. Now, it's not like we're just getting buried every single day, but I brought an intern in this summer and all she did was create the vertical markets. Like we had gone through and built like the whiteboard videos and the branding and the logos. But like I had this whole list of all these things with one or two things missing because they were waiting on me. I brought an intern in and said, here's your job for the whole summer. Finish this list. And she did. So we're literally in the process now of formalizing all of this. And we're going to have like, I honestly don't even know how many, probably 15, 20 affinity brands that are going to be live between now and the end of the year. And it's just going to be death by a thousand cuts. I don't have to do anything to service the policies. We get the money in the mail. So it's literally mailbox money to me, but we're just hammering the CRM with personal and commercial leads. And I mean, think about even if I didn't sell anything at all in terms of home auto umbrella, and all I did was take all of those leads and put campaigns around life, how much money would I make doing that? Right. Absolutely. And and I mean, that's the, uh, the, the craziest thing about this market and uh, kind of post iOS 14, right. On trying to end up using data to better uh, kind of get to your clients and what I, I think that you figured out a long time ago that some of these uh, larger brands are really kind of figuring out is first party data is king. By far, bar none, full stop, right? And with how you're lining it out uh, and taking some of those pieces in a, in a bit of a different way is, is the reason why I run uh, like PS5 giveaways, right? I find people that have families, kids, right? Multiple cars, multiple autos, toys, that kind of conversation to be able to build my uh, automation campaign more vertically, because it's getting to the point where uh, it's no longer your internet famous, right? Uh, Or you have internet notoriety. You have a level of Facebook notoriety, a level of LinkedIn notoriety, a level of TikTok notoriety. And after iOS kind of refused the globalization of data, well, now your data becomes massively more uh, usable uh, to scale your business, whether it's commercial or vertically scaling the uh, the wedding venue conversation. And a lot of people need to kind of get on that train of trying to figure out how they can become a revenue generating data source quick and in a hurry. Yeah. Hundred percent, man. I mean that that's where it's at, and that's the funny thing, is I think so many times when we think about marketing and how we're going to get our message across to people, it's like David's going to call Charles or David's going to market directly to Charles. We don't ever think about okay, that's what everybody else is doing. That's where it's really competitive. What's a way that I have to be creative that I can get to Charles without necessarily going. In, in marketing directly to Charles. It's that one-off thing. It's never what the end game is, but it's always like the feeder fish or whatever. And I mean, it, it's it's not that difficult when you think about it, right? If, you go, if you're going to market to plumbing companies on YouTube, you're not going to go and overlay your ads on the YouTube channel of plumbing companies, but you may go to plumbing supply houses or things like that and advertise there because that's where plumbers are going. They're not going and looking at their competition's YouTube channel. That's where homeowners go to try and figure out how not to hire a plumber. Right. So exactly. 
you know, you could do that or you could go to those, you know, you could go to the plumbing company's channels and you could market for your personal lines over there because that's homeowners that are going there as opposed to businesses. And I mean, you just have to think about it, it all boils down to how do people buy and how do people think? Like, what is it that's going to motivate these people to make a decision to take the next step with me? And the first thing is you have to have a compelling offer for them to take the next step someplace where it's natural for them to see that. I mean, marketing's not hard. It just requires thought. The problem is we just want to run through everything and we feel like we have these tools for automation and everything else. And we want to rely on that. I don't. All of our automation is nice to have. It's it's background. It works in the background. We don't have to do anything with it. And it's just sitting there doing its thing. There's never been a day since Florida Risk has been opened that I've gone to my producers and said, you know what? You don't have to go out and do marketing drops today. We got the automation running in the background. And I'm feeling good about it. No, you still have to go do your job because you have to hit five, six, seven different angles with people before you start making forward progress. That's why we started using a VA to do appointment setting for us. It's not that I don't want my guys on the phone, but my producers, my the, the guys and ladies that produce, they, they don't need to be calling everybody. They need to be calling their focused list of those people whose lead scores dictate they're ready to go to the next step. Let the VA handle everything else. He can call and ask for appointment. That's literally all you have to do. Hey, we know you're coming up for renewal. Would love to earn your business this year. When's good for you? Tuesday or Wednesday next week? Like literally let that guy make a hundred, couple hundred phone calls a day. And that's just in addition to, and we can disperse that out as well. But I think we get we get um, we get paralyzed to a certain degree because we find something that works in marketing, and then we stick to that, right? And that's all we do, the, and you can't do that. The the weirdest thing about the conversation is people forget why you get paid, right? So to your point, as far as revenue, you get paid to sell. Period, right? You get and maybe in some cases sell and retain. That's what you get paid for. Anything and everything else is background noise, to your point, right? So if you're trying to get things done, especially personal lines or a smaller market, that kind of conversation, your goal is to have as much good first party data that can be actionable in any particular situation. Uh, imagine it as like basically having a automated irrigation system for your farm. Yeah, like no, it's gonna produce, but hey, we still gotta have people go out there and go catch that buffalo. Hey, let's go. Let's go get things done. Let's be a cold blooded killer. Let's get out there. Let's hunt. Let's get a little bit of something. Bring it back home. Hey, things are still growing on the background. Some stuff may be ready to pick up, but others may not be. So it's a consistent ebb and flow of trying to figure it out. For my team, I built out uh, instead of using VAs just because it's a new business. We're trying to keep things up and rolling. I built it out to where all the follow up we have is all done through automation, very personally. Where it's like, hey, as soon as you send it over, email gets sent out. Uh, I'm using Agency Elephant, of course. You know, I'm a soup guy, so of course there's some of that conversation in there. Uh, but the text message goes out, hey, just double checking that you got your email that everything looked right, and then there is a 30 day follow up checking in. And the biggest thing on that is is because I don't pay you to follow up. I pay you to sell when you get to the appointment. So it's a different way of going about it. Still same process to get it done. And it's just something I love about your conversation consistently because it can be brought from so many different lines, depending upon how exactly you want to attack it, you know? Yeah, no, I, I agree completely. And we, we pretty much do the same thing. You know, I think that automation has gotten abused specifically LinkedIn is terrible. Like I can't, 
man, you want to watch me go from zero to a thousand. Let me accept your request when I was questioning whether or not I should. And then like within 10 minutes, I've got, hi, David R. I'm glad you connected. I'm like, oh, dude, here we go. Nobody calls me David R, right? You, you know, it's automated at that point. And it's like, why? Why did you do that? Like, just chill, man. This is social, not robot. Like, we need to be able to interact like people. And, and so there's so much bad automation out there that if you have good automation, you're going to crush. And that's the same thing we do. I mean, I that's one of the reasons why I use, it used to be Neoteric Agent. It's Better Proposals now. It's part of the Better Agency suite of products. But we use HubSpot for our CRM but I use them specifically for video proposals. Why do I do that? A, because a lot of other people aren't using video proposals. But number two, I like the way that you deliver that because when you go and you send the proposal, it's the same link to every single client. The differentiator is the email address that they use to log in. So we can now send this out via email. We can send this out via text message, all of that stuff. And it's go to this link, enter with your email address, but it's it's all very, very personal in terms of how we communicate. Even our text communication is in short bursts, just like you would text somebody. I see so much automation. I mean, from the people who are trying to buy my house or the try, trying to sell my car warranty, it's like paragraphs of text messages and we're getting ready to have midterm elections. So here come the political texts too. But it's like you're sending me something that's like a paragraph long. The whole point of communicating in text is to talk in short bursts so that you can get through the conversation to what you needed the answer to faster. And I think we abuse that in the agency world. It's uh, removing humanity from the workplace is a bad idea, no matter who you are. Okay. Uh, people don't buy from nameless faces robots. They don't buy from Terminator 2, right? It's one of those situations where if you cannot keep the humanity inside of your automation, inside of your processes, you're losing out on an entire sector of people. And then let's be even further blunt. Yeah, you're located in Florida. Yes, I'm located in Texas, but we're the South. And if you're not willing to talk to me as a human being, I'm done with you and we're finished right? There is no coming back. I don't want to talk to you again. We're done. It was our first conversation. You didn't value me enough to take any type of specific time to flow forward our conversation. And I love this from Gary V. Uh, he always says, uh, as we move towards being the Jetsons, uh, those that can still keep the touch of being a Flintstone are the ones that are going to succeed, right? Yep. And it's massive, for what it is that you're building and uh, and the infant stages of kind of how I'm building it to kind of push that narrative along with being able to use uh, more videos, uh, more memorable content, because I, I think that's a lot of your conversation whenever it comes to sending out videos. It's it's so memorable because it's you. It's, it's someone speaking to them. And it's what every other business tries to create with uh, whether it's McDonald's because they don't they don't keep pushing the Big Mac because I think you forgot about it. They want to push it so you're the last thing that you remember before you got hungry. And there's no substitute between me seeing David Carruthers specifically talk to me about issues and obstacles in my business than me seeing some random other ad that's just copied and paste. Um, free pick kind of conversations trying to gather my business. 
They're telling you why you should only be working four hours a week. You're running your agency wrong because you're working too much, right? Exactly. But you're able to make that personal connection and having those conversations. And I'm trying to expand that out into uh, more reels, more that conversation since they're changing the algorithm on how things are done, where you can tag things in a different way. Finally, hashtags are finally coming back. So reels have been a lot more usable. I mean, hell, in the last three weeks, I think we've done about 150,000 on insurance reels now. And that's hashtags are the QR code of 2022, man. It's getting there. It's getting there. And it's, uh, uh, it, it's, it's so great to see that being a fantastic agent with knowledge, understanding, and ability to make people feel and understand is, is even more valuable now in the digital age than ever was before. And I think you're pushing that narrative massively. And I, I appreciate the world out of it. Yeah. So let me ask, there's a couple things. So number one, you know, any agent out there, I, I had a coaching call with an agency uh, in Illinois that's in Killing Commercial right before we started recording this. And we were talking about a, a variety of topics. But one of the things that I talked to them about was I think that as agents, we do a really bad job of, the, of giving our clients the why right? We want to tell them, here's what I recommend, and it's going to cover you properly and this, that, and the other, but we don't really get into the why. And I'll give you an example. Why do I need 25 or 50% ordinance and law? Why do I even need it at all, right? Now, if you've ever seen an insurance policy deck page from the state of Florida, you're going to realize that in bold, underlined, size 36 font, it says, talk to your agent about ordinance and law, right? But they never talk about it. And agents don't talk about it. And they don't talk about it because they're afraid they're not going to sell the policy because it's going to go up by 20 bucks. I'm exactly the opposite. I'm going to explain to them why, because I don't want to be the guy that has to deal with the fact they didn't buy it and I didn't explain it. And now they have a major problem that's going to cost tens of thousands of dollars to get fixed. And guess who's going to pay for it? My E&O, number one. But here's the thing, man. I think that we missed the point. I think everybody out there feels like every single client that calls, reaches out to us, whatever, just wants the fastest quote that they possibly can for the best price so that they can bind it. Bullshit. People called you because they want to talk to you. If they wanted a quote, they would go to the internet. They need your advice and you need to stop answering the phone with presuppositions of what the other person's intentions are. And I hear it over and over and over again as I listen to producers that are sending me their calls so that I can listen to them and give them feedback on. And it's all about us pushing our narrative. The power is in listening to the other person, demonstrating confidently that you know the answer to what their problem is, and then explaining why you would choose that method to doing it. I don't treat dealing with business any differently than I treat raising my children. I realized a long time ago that if I tell my son, don't do that, the answer is not because I said so, because he's just going to keep doing it. He doesn't understand the reason why. But if I say, the reason I told you not to do that is because I need you to hold my hand and not run in the parking lot because there's a car just like that one that was backing out that probably wouldn't see you and it would hit you and hurt you, if not kill you. I don't have time to explain that every time, buddy. So when I say do it, I need you to do it. Well, guess what? 
No kid wants to get hit by a car. <laughs> They're going to understand that. You know, just like my pet peeve, I ran grocery stores for 10 years. I always walk my cart back to the front of the store. I never leave it in the parking lot. I'm not telling everybody out there that you're losers if you don't do it. I'm just telling you I cleaned the lot enough times. I'm a big boy. I need the extra steps anyhow. I don't want it hitting my car. So I try and be a reasonably responsible citizen and take it back up to the front of the store for all of the reasons. My kids don't understand that. Well, why do you do that? Well, now it's an opportunity for me to say, look, everybody else is just going to push it over here. And here's what could happen if they don't get it all the way in the corral, whatever else. I mean, we're driving down the road five minutes later, still talking to this, but now they understand why I did it. And guess what? My kids say, hey, dad, you want me to take the car to the front of the store for you now? They understand why insurance business is no different. We just don't take the time because we don't understand that if you invest the time properly, you're going to have a much higher closing rate and ultimately a bigger book of business. The argument's going to be, well, I take that much time all the time. And then people just take my advice and they go to somebody else. You pick the wrong prospect to spend your time with that. That's, that's a prospecting problem, not a conversation problem. The, the key to any business and relationship is understanding. And the only way to understand is with context, right? Uh, no one understands what it's like to have an E&O claim unless you've had one, right? And trying to uh, explain it out if you're someone that is not well-versed in the ability to get people to understand, right? Being able to walk in multiple lines of life and being able to explain it correctly. If you're in the spot where you can't do that successfully, yeah, maybe you are on the wrong piece of business, right? Maybe you shouldn't be selling because if you don't know your product, if you don't know your people well enough to be able to break down context to where it makes more sense, then congratulations, you should leave. This is not the agency. This is not the insurance business for you because that is all we do. We're translators of risk and understanding. And if you can't do that well, you're not valuable and you shouldn't be in the industry, period. Yep, I agree. Well, I think that's, you know, again, it's easy for me to sit and give that advice because I'm typically charging a service fee as opposed to commission. Right. So it, it, it's, I think there's probably a little more pressure when your compensation is directly tied to the sale of the product, even though I would argue mine is because nobody's going to pay me a service fee just with no, no efficiency involved in it. Right. I mean, I learned a long time ago that if I'm going to go in and talk about risk management services, consulting, whatever else, I'm not going to find extra money in their budget for the year when I go in there, but I do know they have money budgeted for insurance. So if I can make what I do a part of money, they're already spending. Now I have a conversation to have with somebody and it makes sense, but I'm never going to be able to charge them more. I think that if I was relying solely on, it is probably a bigger deal in personal lines and small commercial, honestly, where I've, I've got to hit the commissions to be able to have the revenue come in. Again, what I would say is if you find that you're you're having these conversations and they're not going anywhere and you feel like you're doing everything you can to close, you're not qualifying who you're talking to up front from the very beginning. And you know this as well as I do, man. You've been in the game, you know, over a decade yourself. I can tell if somebody's a prospect most of the time just by how I first 10 seconds at the most on the phone, probably not even 10. Right. We know the buzzwords to listen for. I'm listening for, honestly, like sometimes, is this person drunk? <laughs> you know, because a lot of the people who are calling in, you know, I don't know if they're stoned, drunk, whatever else. Half the time you can't even understand them. 
but we have to do that. And I think that it's more difficult. It's easier in middle market because when you're prospecting, everything is intentional. You have a lot of data about what, you know, how to make your decisions, who your ideal prospect is geographically size, shape, a company, number of employees, revenue, all of that. I can know all of that stuff. I think you have the ability to do it to a certain degree on personal lines. I was in the process of trying to figure that whole thing out and then everything went nuts in Florida. But I do feel like with Cole's X states and some of the other things that they have out there that you do have the ability to create call lists, direct mail campaigns, probably not going to get emails that way, but I, there are ways you can get them and, you know, start crafting your strategy that way. But, to me, that's the biggest difference between the two is personal lines is heavy, heavy inbound and middle market commercials, heavy, heavy outbound. Like it's all intentional, all action based. I would say something that a lot of people don't realize that's a keynote in every conversation you have is the future cost of bad understanding. Right. Uh, when you're someone that that doesn't understand what exactly it is that they were covered for then you have two, three weeks of the same client calling about a claim that either was or wasn't covered because they had bad understanding. So I think a lot of agencies create this and hell, I mean, every relationship, every relationship breaks down for expectation setting. And if you're unable to have that communication done like successfully, you cause issues where people think that, oh, my washer and dryer went out and I wish it was covered. Or what do you mean? I let uh, a, um, I let a, a subcontractor drive my truck. What do you mean? It's like, well, you didn't have the four auto, like you didn't have the four hire added to the, uh, the policy. So obviously that person's not going to be covered driving around. Oh, I had no idea. And then, I mean, uh, hell, the only thing that we've learned out of the, uh, the world so far is that you don't have to be wrong to be sued and it yeah. still costs money. I say it all the time, man, 50 bucks in a bad attitude gets you in a lawsuit any day of the week. It doesn't take anything. So if you're going to focus more on trying to have the conversation with clients on anyone that, that, that that's trying to end up flowing either in any service-based industry, if you're not able to explain to where people can better understand, it's going to cause you so much service work, so many conversations, and so much lost revenue because my job is to explain it right on the front end. And if it takes me a couple of extra minutes and uh, hell, even 20, 20 to 15 minutes extra, to make sure that they truly understand their policy, it saves me a world of difference later on. And hell, you know, whether it ends up being from personal lines or for uh, or for commercial, uh, still dings your carriers and still makes your company, your agency, your name, your brand look terrible. So I just I just love that conversation from a a, a keeping things as as future focused as possible. Yep. So you're talking about branding and having your best foot forward. My man's wearing blue instead of purple today. I appreciate you, uh, you know, deviating from the norm. It didn't go unnoticed. What What are you wearing today? Oh, man, I'm wearing that uh, first bamboo uh, set that they had for Tom James. I was really happy. I think me and you are one of the uh, the only people that were able to get it in early enough and then slapped it on with a liner with a, a nice little Nice little sidebar of my uh, initials on the way. Got in your it, initials just to in there. A little bit different. Yeah, I, I mean, I saw you a couple of weeks ago with uh, some amazing <laughs> coat jackets, and I'm like, I got a man. I mean, I mean, big guys look good in blue, and I had a little man crush. I'm not even gonna lie. <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, man. I'm gonna tell you right now. I 
I, I bought the farm yesterday. Like she came in and she had a couple of, she had a couple of shirts, but I'm good on shirts because I'm a sucker for every time Tom James has the buy five, get one free. I'm going to buy, I'm going to buy five shirts and get six 100% of the time. Cause I can, right. But um, she, she came in with like the fall slash winter stuff. So I, I did pick up a couple of those shirts that I shared the fabric swatches with, but she had like all of the cashmere hoodies and all of that, that you can wear under jackets. So I picked up three of those and I also got a top coat. That's almost the same color as your jacket. And it's the exact same lining. I didn't even know that until you showed me, <laughs> except it's got, <laughs> except it's got my initials on it. So I have to like I've got a real problem, man. I've got to stop. And, and my my bigger problem is that now my wife is engaged and she's ordering stuff from Tom James too. And it's like, holy crap, you know, this is like we could have had a vacation home this year, you know, in cash almost. So, but you know, I, I look at it this way, man. You got one chance to make a memorable impact on people, and for as much as I've traveled over the course of the last year. I'm just, there's certain things I'm kind of quirky about. And one of them is I will never wear the same jacket to publicly speak twice. You'll never see me wearing the same jacket. I, I mean, hell, that's the only reason why me and you met in the first place. We were over at uh, one city world tour. Yeah. Uh, and and I, I asked a, you, I seen your, I knew your jeans were blue Delta, but you're the old, you're the reason I ended up getting my uh, stretchy jacket. Cause you had just gotten your purple jacket and I came home Tom and immediately James ordered it. The- Tom James changes my world. And when it comes to just the different ways that you can wear it, the fact that the, the, the fit can be consistent while the, uh, the colors, shades, insides can be completely custom to you. I mean, the, the difference of having a, like for me, a purple jacket, but then having a liner be whatever I want to add right. a little bit more pizzazz with whatever I'm wearing in the bottom makes massive differences and just kind of expands your way of being able to be memorable, be understood, and to kind of start from a place of of understanding and and, and respect. I mean, if I have to wear the uh, every once in a while, I'll break out my uh, uh, I should be uh, uh, understood and respected uniform every once in a while. So for you, definitely had to wear the blue to make sure that that uh, <laughs> situation flowed through, my man. Well, your, your liner game's on point, man. So we're obviously on the same wavelength there. And, you know, I uh, it's always fun to go back and forth with you. I feel like you're probably the one person I know that if I say, Hey man, check out what I bought. You're going to come back with three pictures of what you just bought. So it makes for good dialogue. If nothing else, listen, we've been going about an hour. I want to be respectful of your time. I really appreciate you jumping on. This is a great conversation, man. We touched on so many different things. One thing we didn't do is rip on Sean Michael Walker. And I feel like he does that to a lot of other people when he has them on his podcast, but I, you know, I'm not really sure if he even deserves airtime on my show. I will say this, and this hopefully will make airtime. Sean Michael Walker is the Ken doll of insurance. <laughs> Hair yeah. is completely perfect, completely buttoned up, set up, and he has that 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 Ken doll physique, if you will. <laughs> so it's just one of those situations. So don't don't just if that makes it, it makes it. Oh, it, it's going to make it for sure. And I mean, that's the guy can sing too, man. I don't know if anybody else picked up on that, but like when he was. When he was singing backstage at Soup Live with the mic, like it didn't. My my guy's been around a microphone. He's obviously the the uh, artist formerly known as Shawn Michael Walker. I mean, he is uh, he's trying to pick up that print status and run it as far as he can. <laughs> All he needs is your purple jacket, brother, and he'll have the outfit complete. 
Absolutely, man. Hey, so I appreciate this massively. Happy to be able to end up rocking through it and uh, just been a, a blast being able to talk a little bit. Absolutely, brother. Wish you nothing but the best, man. And you know how to find me if you need me. Have a great week. Absolutely. Now, take care. You've been listening to the Power Producers Podcast. You can follow Killing Commercial Insurance on Facebook and YouTube. And if you want to take your game to the next level, next level, check out our book, The Extra Two Minutes, and our website, killingcommercial.com.